chapter number 4, Ephesians 4. We've been in the book of Ephesians a very long time. And it's kind of, it's amazing how as we continue on in Ephesians, we moved it from Sunday mornings, we moved it here to Wednesday nights for the new year. year our theme has been one another. And uh, it's amazing how the book of Ephesians and what we're studying and talking about on Sundays fits perfectly with what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. And they tie together. I believe the Lord did that on purpose. And so we're here in Ephesians chapter number 4. And I want to read back through the verses we read the past couple of weeks. And then we'll get into some new material tonight. Continue on Ephesians 4. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace for there is one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all that's where we ended last week then we see verse number seven but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of christ Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sliding of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, speak the truth in love. They grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. We're going to spend some time in all these verses. Now you're like, it talks about captivity, captive, ascending, descending. What is all this that the Bible's talking about? We're going to break it down and look at this passage tonight. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive in. Father, I love you and I thank you for the time we have this evening in your word. You're so good to us. I pray that as we're here tonight, as we look at these verses and as we study this passage, I pray that you would help us tonight. I pray that you just meet with us and do what only you can do. Love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see right away in what we've been studying over the past several weeks, we saw the fact that we're supposed to walk worthy the vocation wherewith we're called how do you walk worthy of what we're called you see the first three chapters what we're supposed to be trying to do after all the lord has done for us in the first three chapters and paul talks about here the importance of endeavoring to keep the what does it say they're endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace one of the ways that we show this world who the lord is and that he's working in a church is by the unity that's found in a church unity is important and that deserved an amen from all around the room tonight. Unity is important. There are many things that try to ruin unity in a church. 
That's why we've been talking about the importance on Sunday morning. We talk about being kind to one another. I don't care what someone's done to you. You reach out and you be kind. It's amazing. I preached that message Sunday morning, and you would be amazed what I've dealt with the past few days. Like, don't people listen to the message? They don't. Be kind to one another. What did we talk about on Sunday? What, what hinders kindness? Being angry. When you're angry, you're not going to be kind. And I've seen some angry people the past few days. Get rid of that anger. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't give the devil a place to work. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Put, all the, put away malice. Put away bitterness. Put away wrath. Put away all those things. And be kind to one another. We need to be kind. You're like, they don't deserve my kindness. And like, you deserve God to be kind to you and me, right? Last time I checked, God has no reason to be nice to me. But he is, and I'm thankful that he is. I sure don't deserve it. I look at me and I'm a mess. I'm glad that God puts up with me. If I were God, I probably wouldn't put up with Brian Pattison. That's just about guaranteed. But I'm glad he does. We need to be unified. But unity comes through verse number two. All lowliness, meekness, humility. Only by pride comes contention. That's how it always comes. Every single time. No pride, no contention. Don't forget it. We see, as we look through here, we saw the fact, and the Bible talks about the things that unite us. See verse 4 through 6. We're made one through the relationship to the members of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit lives in every believer. The Holy Spirit's no different for you than it is for me. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. The same Holy Spirit that's inside of me being saved is the same Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And we go through each of these things here. There's one body, one spirit, there's one hope. We have the same hope. We talk about that hope of heaven and all the things that the Lord has for us. And we have those things. We have one Lord. We have Jesus Christ. There's only one. There is no other. He's our common ground. We have one faith, one set of doctrine, one baptism. We have all these things. We have one God. We have a Father. And those things unite us. But, look at what it says. After he goes through all the things that unite us, Paul says in verse number 7, through inspiration here, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Paul says the fact that we may be one, but in spite of that, or on the other hand, Though we're united and we are united in Christ, he still expects us to be different people. God gives within a church different people with different gifts that make up the body that he brings together. We're commanded to maintain unity as we've seen, but against this, when we understand something, it's okay that we're all different because God gives us different gifts. The Holy Spirit of God gifts us in different ways. When you get saved and once, once you're a child of God, you have been given a gift or gifts from the Holy Spirit. Those are given to you to use for the edifying and the glorify, the glor, to glorify God. To edify the body and to glorify God. Your gift is not for you to boast in. Your gift is not for you to keep to yourself. No, your gift is to be able to serve one another as we've talked about. God gives us these things. And so tonight I want to talk about this truth here out of many, one. Think about our country, and for for a long time, and even on there's this uh, this saying in Latin, "e pluribus unum." What does it mean? Out of many, one. Think, what does that have to do with anything? What is that? The United States is a melting pot of people. So many different people from different places coming to one place, 
And what does you think about we are one nation under God? Well, we are. We're one nation. Many different people from many different places coming to one place. In the body that the Lord's put together in this place, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different places. God brings into the body who he wants and who should be in the body to do the work in the body. For a little bit of time tonight, I want to talk about out of many. One, number one, we see the root of our diversity. The root of our diversity. Our unity as believers finds its roots in God's working in our lives. All he develops in us and through us, when that happens, he's continuing to reveal himself to us. And as we look at this tonight, we think about the roots of our diversity. The first thing, letter A, you have the grace of God. Says there, verse number seven, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Our diversity finds its roots in the grace of God. The word grace, we know it's undeserved favor. And when we think of it often, we think of that verse, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And it refers, and you got to understand something, we think of God's grace, we think of it in that light, but also God's grace is him giving us anything we don't deserve, correct? So, so I had someone a few weeks ago say, Pastor, I still don't understand the difference between mercy and grace. Well, think about mercy. Mercy is the fact that we deserve punishment, and he paid that for us. That's mercy. Grace is, oh, you can have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Grace is, I'll give you a home in heaven. Grace is all the added benefits after the mercy's been shown. It's a great way to look at it. We're talking about here where it says in this verse, but every, every one of us is given grace according to the measure. So we think of grace there, undeserved favor. What we're talking about right here is it simply means that the head of the church, Jesus Christ, has given each of us some gift or a gift to use, and it's a gift given to us in his grace. When he saves us, when we get saved, Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And one of the ministries or one of the things that the Holy Spirit performs in our life, he gives us gifts to do the work of God. The primary truth to note here is that though you are an you think about this, you're individually and uniquely gifted by God for service for him. His grace, in his grace, he's given you gifts. That's why as the verse up on the screen there, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So many times, look at me. Look at how great I am. I got the gift of whatever. That's not, no, 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 no. By God's grace, you have that. By God's grace. I was a pastor. I did not, God called me to be a pastor. I believe that that's a gift that God gave to me. We see here in a little bit that he gave us some pastors and teachers. What I am as a pastor it's by God's grace. It's nothing that I've done. And church, you might, oh, I have a great singing voice. By the grace of God, you got that voice. Oh, I have this talent for God, or I can do this. No, it's by God's grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And look what the verse says, and his grace, that which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Church, don't ever forget that fact. We need to discover our gifts and allow God to develop them in our lives so that we can reach the potential that God has for us. Our differences, our diversities are rooted in God's grace. We're all saved the same way. We're all indwelt by the same Holy Spirit, but we're uniquely equipped for the job God has for us. Letter B. We see as we're talking about the root of diversity, it's the grace of God. Letter B. It's the gifts of God. The gifts of God. 
Paul says it there at the end of verse number 7. He says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Does the gift of Christ there. And then what you see, it goes into this thing about Jesus Christ. And it talks about what happened. I'm a firm believer. Psalm 68, verse number 8 here, through verse number 10. Psalm 68 talks about the same thing. Look at verse number 8 through 10. It says, wherefore he said, who's the he? It's Jesus Christ. But when it says when he ascended, or in the scriptures it said that, and it says when he ascended, who is that? That's Jesus Christ. He ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, and he hath descended in the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, he might be filled with all things. This is talking about what happened when Jesus died on the cross. When he died on the cross, what did he do? When Jesus died, his body was buried but his spirit according to the scripture went to paradise and preached the fact that it was finished on the cross to those in abraham's bosom paradise and he released them to be in heaven with the father that's what he did for those who had already died at the same at the same time as he set led and set them free and there's more verses first peter 3 9 says by which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison so not only did he preach to those in paradise, he preached to those in hell. But as he gave them that gift and to be in heaven with the Father and set them free from Abraham's bosom, he also, look what it says right there in verse number 8, it says, Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and look at what else he did, and gave gifts unto men. So not only those who had died did he set them free from paradise so they could be with the Lord, he also gave us gifts think about it this way part of the lord's victory over death and sin and satan is the gift of a new life in him Paul talks about in um first second corinthians five seventeen, where we're all where therefore if any be in christ he's a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new we're born again when this happens we're able to enjoy what john chapter 10 talks about in verse 10 it says the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. You see, that's what he's given to us. That's what we're talking about here. That new life manifests itself through the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he's given to us. And he enables us to serve God with those things. There are many Christians today that are not happy Christians. And I'll tell you a big reason why you're not happy. Because God, when he saved you, gave you a gift to use for him. And you're not using the gift that's been given to you. It was given to you by God's grace. We see letter A here as we look at the root of our diversity. We see the grace of God. Letter B, we see... Surrey, why are you talking to me down here? I'm not even touching my phone. Did my watch do it? Stupid Apple products. Who likes that stuff anyways? It's all of the devil. Do you see how the devil uses something like that to distract everything right here? Well, yeah, Lori, go ahead and keep your flip phone. That's okay. Um... Letter A, the grace of God. Letter B, and I lost my train of thought now because of Surrey there. I just let Surrey finish the message up. We see the gifts of God. And then letter C, we see the giftedness of God. Now it's interesting. When we talk about spiritual gifts, and we will, tonight we're not going to get into them. We've talked about them before. There's a list of them in the book of Romans, chapter number 12, as well as 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13. But one of the things that we see, we see a few gifts that were given to the church right here from the Holy Spirit right here in this passage. Now, you're not going to believe me in a second with what I say, but it's right here in the Bible, okay? 
So look, let's read verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. God gave you a gift in giving you a pastor. Okay, do you believe that? Okay, okay he did. It's a gift. Let me say that's a curse. We're not talking to you tonight. Be kind, okay? Be kind. God gives you a pastor. And we're going to see why in a minute. And it's a gift from God. Not because I'm something special, because we already talked about that. I'm not. God gives you teachers. God gives you evangelists. Look at that list there. And just for sake of time, I want to go through a few of them just to make sure we understand something. There's four offices listed here, four gifts. It talks about apostles. It talks about um, prophets. It talks about evangelists. And it talks about pastors and teachers. The thing about apostles, this refers to an ambassador, one sent with credentials to represent another. To be an apostle, you had to be specifically called by Jesus Christ. The last known apostle is Paul. Why? On Damascus Road, Jesus called him. There are no apostles today. Say, well, what about apostle so-and-so? They're not an apostle. When the church was established, they helped set the footwork for the church. Say, what do you mean? What did God use to write most of our church doctrine for us? We get our church doctrine from the Pauline epistles, correct? An apostle. They laid the groundwork. Foundation, the scripture talks about. And the office ceased to exist when those early foundational giants that God used to establish a church were gone. And there are no apostles today. But God came and called me specifically. I don't, once the Bible is complete, God didn't do that anymore. There are many people who claim that God calls them. And so, well, you say God called you to ministry. He did. As sure as I'm standing right here, he did. But Jesus didn't stand right in front of me and tell me to do it. It's through the working of the word of God. In our day and age that we live today, God speaks through his word. God speaks through his word. Many people try and cast doubt on that, but God speaks through his word. See, apostles, they're not there anymore. How about prophets? The word, the word speaks of a foreteller. The last prophet that you see was John. Talking about the book of Revelation, all those things. Wouldn't that be crazy to be John living about 90 AD and seeing all these future events and seeing an airplane and seeing all these things and trying to figure out what that all was? I've thought about that. You probably haven't. But the words of the prophets were literally the words of God. And when the Bible was complete, it says prophecies, they shall cease. Everything we know, everything we need to know, and everything that we need is found within the pages of this book. We don't need any prophets today. No one's going to fort. The Lord's going to come and the world's going to end soon. There have been a lot of people that say that. They make Christians look like idiots. They don't have a clue. No man knows the time or the hour. The Lord does. It was apostles. That office has ceased. He, he gave us prophets. And the prophets, the office of the prophets has ceased. He gave us evangelists. The word literally means a preacher of the gospel. It's those, it has in mind those who are especially gifted at sharing the gospel with those who've never heard. Missionaries are evangelists. Gifted witnesses, preachers who take the gospel to the unchurched, they're evangelists. We have a lot of people who come into churches today and call themselves evangelists, but they just come in and preach their standards and doctrine, don't teach anything about, they're not really evangelists. They're just little tornadoes that come in to cause trouble and move on to the next church because you can disturb a little tornado and you're gone. You don't got to worry to clean up the mess. But really, the, an evangelist, we don't really have... There are still some, praise God for them. You want to know one of the reasons why we have Joe Mark come? As long as he's alive, he'll be coming because he's a true Bible evangelist. The gospel's in every message he preaches. Sometimes you wonder, there's no new people, but he's preaching the gospel because we didn't get new people here to hear it. 
That's what an evangelist is. And it's a dying breed today. And it's sad. We need evangelists. Very important. Then it says he gave some pastors. And Paul uses two words here. One office is in view. The word pastor means shepherd. It speaks of one who tends to the needs of the flock. It speaks to the one who reaches out to the fallen, who binds up the wounds, who feeds the hungry and leads the flock to greener pastures. As a teacher, it speaks of those who faithfully and consistently open the word of God to feed God's people. And that's very active in the church today. And so we see tonight as we look at our passage here, as we go on to our next point, my son, got my little um, son Matthew likes to use my iPad. And using my iPad, he turned the volume up on this. I think that's what happened there. And so you got to watch out for three-year-olds that think they know everything and can figure out devices because they're a lot of times smarter than you are on them. And uh, he does things on here I don't even know what to do. And that's kind of scary to me. We see here tonight, we see the diversity of gifts. We see the grace, the roots of our diversity. We see the grace of God. We see the gifts of God, and we see the giftedness. Then we get to number two tonight. We see the reason for our diversity, or the reasons for the gifts. What's the reasons? So God saved you and I, and he gifted us. Why does he make us different? Why doesn't he just give everyone the same gift? Well, it's like this. If everyone was the eyeball in the body, there would be no ear. Wouldn't it be weird to have, well... Sometimes I felt like my mom had eyeballs coming out the side of her head. It felt like that. Or in the back of her head. I don't know how she did it. But no, you need your ears to hear. You have your eyes. You need all the different parts. If every part of your body, you know, if, if everyone in the body wanted to be a foot, you're not going very far with just a foot. You need all the different parts. Why do you need the different parts? Why, and look at this, and it's important to note. Look at, look at verse number 12 here. It says, so in verse 11, he says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. What, what's, what's the job of a pastor? I think it's listed right here. Look what it says. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, to help the body do what it's supposed to do. We look at letter A, we see what's the reasons for our diversity. Letter A is this, the completion of the body. Paul says, for the perfecting of the saints, the word perfecting has the idea of strengthening, developing, furnishing completely, or equipping. It simply means that God has placed the various members in the body that help the body achieve its, um, what's the word I'm thinking of here? To achieve its fullest potential. That means in every church, you think about this in our church. On Sunday morning, I give them Sunday morning, I think this last Sunday morning, between the two services, we had about 180, 190, somewhere in there. What that means is that God's put everything in these seats to make this body run at its full potential. And do you know what one of the pastor's job is to help try and do? To get you to reach your potential so the body can reach its potential for the Lord. That's Bible. But why is it important? Because without you and your gift and you being a part of things, the body here will never be complete. And you think, oh, I, this church doesn't need me. That's wrong. You are needed. You have a spot. You're important. And that's why you need to take what God's given you and use it for his glory. Because the problem we have in America and in churches today is the churches are not completing. They're not reaching their full potential. Because the people of God aren't doing what they're supposed to. Part of the problem is the pastors. Part of the problem is the people. There's a mixture between the two. But you got to understand something as we look at this here tonight. When I fill my place and you fill yours, God is glorified. And his church can do so much more for him. How wonderful it is. 
What's the reasons of our diversity or the reason for our gifts? Well, it's first the completion of the body. Letter B, it's the commitment of the body. It says there in verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints. And the next phrase says, for the work of the ministry. He's talking about the business of serving. Effective ministry is the work of the entire church. No matter how talented a pastor or a group of leaders may be in a church, there's no way one person or a few people can effectively do everything that needs to be done in the local church. No one is that gifted, no one is that talented, and no one has that much time to try and make it work. God designed the church so that each member brings a different piece of the puzzle to the table. With evangelists and with pastors and teachers, as they're faithful to the word and faithful in prayer and to the ministry, they're equipping the church to do the work of God. And it's not simply enough. This is where we get it wrong. Church in 2020. If I show up to church, I've done my part. That's not church. The body of Christ is a lot more than that. Just showing up, great you showed up. But there's more to it. And we miss that. But when we look at it, as we study these things out, it's not enough just to simply show up. It should go beyond just attending we should be doing our best to reach our potential for the Lord with the things that He's given to us so that we can glorify Him and the body that He's placed us in can bring Him glory and do it all to the glory of God. In all things that He would have the preeminence. Well, do we want Him to have the preeminence? And we got to do our part. And that's what we think. We come to church a couple... T- good Christians today think coming to church two or three times a month is a good is they're good Christians you'll think they're good church members they come two or three times a month that's not a good Christian you gotta be involved that's what church is this is a body and the body doesn't work if the members of it aren't doing what God's called them to I'll never lose sight of that say why what's the need of it well you see for the completion of the body for the perfecting of the saints we see the commitment of the body the work of the ministry letter C we see the confirmation of the body the end of verse number 12 and read through verse number 14 says for the edifying of the body of christ till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure the stature the fullness of christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sliding of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive paul says here as we see in letter c the confirmation of the body he says he says they exist. Why do these gifts exist? The edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying, we talked about our words. Remember on Sunday, we talked about our words shouldn't be corrupt. Right out, the, out of the, later on in the same chapter. Isn't that amazing? Later on in the same chapter, this is what Paul's talking about. Because Paul knows how Christians are. And the Lord knows how Christians are. He talks about the importance of unity and all these things. And then he tells us what hinders it at the end of the chapter. But we see here the confirmation. Edifying means to build up to establish, to confirm, and it speaks of the church progressing. It pictures the church doing more than just professing Jesus, but actually projecting Christ. It speaks of us reaching our potential for the Lord. It speaks of the confirmation of the body. Underneath that, you got number one. It brings the body to a place of conviction. The Bible says there, till we all come in the unity of the faith. As the church is properly led, fed, and served, by our individual gifts, what will happen is, it, what happens is it will become 
uh, let's see how I want to word what I'm trying to say. You say, it's right there in your notes. I know, but my notes don't make sense to me right now. So when your notes don't make sense, you know, sometimes, anybody ever write notes and their notes don't make sense to you after you've looked them over several times? I've gone over these about a hundred times and it doesn't make sense as I just read it in my mind right there. The church is properly led, fed, and serviced by the gifts of the children that make them. Okay, I was reading, I'm just going to read this sentence for you, okay? And uh, here it is, are you ready? As the church is properly led, fed, and serviced by the gifted individuals that make it up, it will come to the place where it believes and practices the same body of doctrine. God's goal in sending preachers to a church, what's his goal? To teach the church his word so that the body might build up their beliefs and common truths. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. And then number two, bring the body to a place of consciousness. The knowledge of the Son of God. As we are taught the truths by those gifted to share it, we learn more about the Savior. God sends churches, preachers, and teachers to help us know Christ better. If your preacher is not helping you learn more about Christ, then you might want to get a different preacher. We hear often, Pastor, I've grown so much in my knowledge of the Lord. Not because of me but because this book is preached. And when the book is preached, that's what's going to happen. And you bring up the Bible, and it's so important, and how we need to know the Lord, how we need to grow in Him. And if we don't know Him, there are a lot of churches, they don't know Him. People don't have a clue. Or C, we're our number, sorry, number three under letter C, confirmation of the Bible, bringing the body to a place of Christ-likeness. And this phrase, you look at there, it says in verse number 13 at the end there, it says, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this phrase simply means and refers to reaching a place of maturity. And God has gifted his church to help the whole body come to a place of maturity. He wants us to be more like him. Isn't that true? The goal of a Christian, what is it? To be like Christ. And isn't that what's going to happen when we put on incorruption? But while we're here, we're working towards that. That's the sanctification that we can spend more time on another time. One of the ways God's working to achieve his goal in his church is, as, and this is what he's doing, and we see number four, bring the body to a place of certainty. God doesn't want his children to be tossed to and fro by all sorts of different doctrine. In fact, you see there the word slight there, it refers to dice. It speaks of those who rig the game in their favor by using like loaded dice. That's the gist of what it's saying here. And Satan and his agents try to trick and to trap the people of God. The Bible says he lies in wait to deceive. But when, guess what happens when we're mature in the Lord? We're not going to fall for those tricks. So if Satan can keep a church, or if, if a church doesn't, you've got to understand, God's goal is for us to become more like him and to mature. I would hope that the longer you're in church, the more you're maturing. If you got saved three years ago and you're still a newbie, there's something wrong. There should be some growth there. Now, some people grow faster than others. I get that. But you got to be getting to a place of maturity. What happens is when you have a church of all young Christians, and you just, what do you do? You give them milk and keep giving them milk and keep giving them milk. Here, let me burp you. Oh, you need burping? Let me help you. That should last for a little while. Matthew doesn't need me to burp him anymore. He doesn't need me to feed him his bottle anymore. He can do those things himself now. Still some things he can't do, but he's getting closer. You have a 15-year-old, and they want you to brush their teeth and get them dressed in the morning. You'd be like, that's a little weird. And you're like, no, that's just me. You know, some of these teenagers, that'd be nice if my parents still did that. for. No, you need to get, get dressed yourself, get, take a shower, do all those things. But you'd be like, that's weird. But then why do we as Christians think it's okay to be a baby Christian forever? That's not how it's supposed to be. 
Lord wants us to mature. And you mature so in that way you have some grounding there and you understand some doctrine. And you're not going to be tossed to and fro. Oh, this guy on the internet said this and he must be right because he said this. No, a mature Christian says, I heard that, but I've never heard that before. I don't see it in here, so it can't be right. It's a mature Christian. See, number one, we see the root of our diversity. We see the reasons for our diversity. And then number three, and lastly, rounding the finish line here. We're out of time, but that's okay. The results of our diversity. Look at verse number 15 and 16. It says there, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase unto the body, unto the edifying of itself in love. What do you mean, Pastor? Letter A. We see our diversity makes the body possible. Just as every member of our physical body is unique, so are each of the members of the body of Christ. Without diversity, there is no unity. And just as our physical bodies are wholly united, so the body of Christ is fitly joined together and compacted. And those phrases mean solidly put together and from many to make one, respectively. So think about in this place. God's taken so-and-so and brought them and put them right here because that's where they belong in the body. And God brings so-and-so and fits them right there. And so-and-so here, and he does all these different things. Christ is the head, and the rest of us make up the body. And Christ puts it right where it needs to be, and he puts you right where you need to be. One of the things that was hard for me as a young pastor, when people would say, Pastor, I feel like it's time for us to leave. I feel like it's time for you to leave. You don't even know what that means. Pastor, I feel the Lord calling me to another church. Sure, you just don't like me anymore. I think that's what the problem is. And uh, but it was a good day for me when I realized, not up to me, it's in this body, it's up to Christ. He puts everyone right where they need to be. And you know the amazing thing? When people leave, God always replaces those spots. I remember years ago, and I probably shouldn't even use this illustration, but I'm going to. For a few years ago, I don't know, oh, it was back 2016, there was an election or something going on. I don't remember what it quite was. I told a joke about Hillary Clinton. I thought it was the funniest joke in the world. And for some people that didn't think it was funny. We lost like three families because I told a joke about Hillary Clinton. At the end of the day, you want to support Clinton. I'm glad you're not coming to this church. You probably are fine with abortion and everything else anyways. And we'll just leave that alone there. You say, are you all about Trump's a sinner too? Don't get your hopes high on any man, okay? Sometimes I hear preachers say how Trump is like God. He's nothing like God. And uh, nothing, nothing at all. He makes big mistakes. I vote, when I vote, I vote biblically. Well, we lost like three families through it. And several of them were good givers. I mean, literally, it was about $2,500 in tie the month that left that day. All oh, these Democrats, they have money, some of them. Anyways, no, anyways. Um, and I thought, oh boy, how's that hole going to get filled? You know, literally in three months, there were four new families coming that more than made up what was missing. God always takes care of things. Because he puts everything where it needs to be, but our diversity makes the body possible. Let her be, and we've got to finish here. Our diversity makes the body powerful. It talks about that in verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love. Same diversity makes the body possible, makes it powerful. As we exercise our gifts that God's given to us, the body's fed, it's nurtured, it's helped to grow to the maturity of Christ. And the idea here when we think of speaking the truth in love, it speaks of the truth of the gospel proclaimed and then lived out by a church is in love with the Lord, with one another and with a lost world. That's what speaking the truth in love is. The truth is the gospel. But as we do it, we love one another. 
We love the lost world. We love Jesus. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. And you put those together, you love God, you love one another, and you love the lost. That's pretty powerful. In fact, I think it says that charity never fails. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's found in the Bible. The results of our diversity, our diversity makes the body possible, makes it powerful, then letter C, and we're running out of time, so I'm just going to give you this last one here. Our diversity makes the body productive. It talks about the end there, the edifying of itself in love. It's as we think about this, it's the loving exercise of our spiritual gifts, one for another, enables the church to make a difference in the world around it. Paul tells us here, it says that it, the body is to edify itself in love. If we love God like we should, we will want to do, want to be what he saved us to be. If we love one another like we should, we want to help our fellow Christians reach their full, full potential for the Lord. And as we walk in love with one another, what did the Bible say? This shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another, one toward another. Very important. Every one of us is different in so many different ways. We're brought together in Christ. God's called us, He saved us, He indwells us, He's gifted us individually and uniquely to put us together in such a way to be a blessing to the whole body of Christ. Let's take what God's given to us and use our gifts for his glory. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Brother, I wouldn't have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Find out what you say, Pastor, I don't have a gift. And the Bible's a lie. Or you're not saved. Because every saved child of God has a gift from the Spirit. My gift isn't as good as someone else's gift. No one asked you to be someone else. No one did. God wants you to be you and to use the gift he's given you. God doesn't expect me to be you. He doesn't expect you to be me. What he wants is for me to take what he's given to me and use it for his glory so that the body can reach its full potential. God's done many great things in almost 10 years that I've been pastor here. Many great things. But I think God could do so much more and we could reach our full potential if we'd all get on board with this thing as we've been studying. Imagine what could happen in the next 10 years. Imagine what God could do. Let's focus on him. Let's love him. And let's use what God's given to us to help each other speak the truth in love, love one another, and do the things God's called us to.